CNN is getting an inside look at a team of Ukrainian drone operators trying to clear the way. CNN's Melissa Bell is covering this story for us from the war zone. Uh, Melissa, uh, what is it like uh, for these drone operators near the front line? Well, it was so interesting spending this night with the SPU. That is Ukraine's security service. And going back to the conversation you were just having, those munitions that Russia is desperately trying to get its hands on to feed its war effort, well, Ukraine as well. We're also hearing from military leaders here over and over again, it is ammunition, ammunition, ammunition that we lack. We need much more of it than we're getting. And they're desperate to get that. What we witnessed, essentially, uh, with the SPU that night and their drone were their attempts to make sure that what they do have, some of those HIMARS, for instance, get to the right target because they're so precious in such short supply. Ukraine's security service preparing for a raid across enemy lines. In a war of artillery and drones and plenty of creativity. It looks almost like a like a toy. It is Chinese toy with uh, some upgrades and some uh, innovations with some magic. <laughs> Enough magic that this specially made drone will travel far beyond the Zaporizhia front line. In search of a Russian air defense system, it flies deep into enemy territory towards a town that is one of the main objectives of the southern counteroffensive, Tokmak. At the other end of the phone and watching the same screen, a HIMARS unit is ready to launch. The call sign of this drone's unit commander is Bankir, a reminder of his life before the war when this land was still Ukrainian. Now you can see on the road this is uh, Russians' uh, vehicles moving. This is checkpoint, Russians. You can see in Tokmak. But tonight they've been unlucky. The air defense system they wanted to hit is no longer there. Home for tonight is a field about 15 kilometers north of the front line. Using only red lights to avoid detection, they've got a bird's eye view of the battle below and what's happening beyond. We are hunting for them for some time. We have uh, some results. Uh, we know where they are hiding. We know where they are moving. So it's a uh, question about time just to find them. And each time it flies, the drone records precious information. The state of Russian defenses, vehicles and systems being moved. Even if tonight a Russian air defense system and its four to five officers were, unbeknownst to them, spared. Are you disappointed? Uh, no, no, I'm not, we are not disappointed. Uh, this is our service, it's our work, uh, and we will be, we will continue to do it. Until, he says, every last inch of Ukrainian territory has been freed, however long that takes. 
What they told us also that night we spent with them in that field, Jim, was that they've been watching these defenses go up ever since March of 2022 here in the Zaporizhia region. Uh, they've been watching them go up, they say, and what the Russian army doesn't have is terribly good fighters. What it puts many of its young men to use for is digging and building. Those defenses have been build, being built over time and in great depth. And that, of course, is exactly what the southern uh, counteroffensive is butting up against. It is making limited progress, but it is extremely difficult. Still, Ukrainians believe there is some momentum here and they're trying to consolidate those gains to the south of Robotina. Still, they can see precisely what lies ahead for them. And it's a lot of work uh, left, a lot of losses ahead, and no doubt a lot of time still, Jim. Absolutely. All right, Melissa Bell with a fascinating look at a crucial part of this war. Uh, Melissa, thank you very much for more on all of these developments. I'm joined now by Bruce Klingner. He's a former CIA Deputy Division Chief for Korea. I'm also joined by Gene Lee, the former Pyongyang Bureau Chief for the Associated Press. Uh, thanks to both of you on this Labor Day. Appreciate it. Uh, Bruce, just how significant is this potential meeting between Putin and Kim Jong-un uh, to negotiate an arms deal? And why now? It's very worrisome. And we've seen uh, in the last year that there has been growing, inc uh, improving relations between North Korea and Russia, and it's largely focused on military developments. Uh, so far, the, the developments have been North Korea providing ammunition to uh, Russia. A year ago, there were reports that they, had pro they would provide millions of ammunition rounds. That, that number seems high unless it includes small arms rounds, but it most likely would be 122 millimeter and 152 millimeter, millimeter artillery rounds and multiple rocket uh, rounds uh, that they have a lot of and which is compatible with uh, Russian equipment. So, and we've also seen Ukraine captured some of that um, ammunition and then we using it to fire back at Russia, although it was fairly unreliable. Uh, so it's a worrisome development, both for the continued operations in Ukraine, but also now if it seems that Russia may be providing technology to improve North Korean military capabilities, uh, that is also very worrisome for the U.S. as well as critically important allies, Japan and South Korea. Well, that, and that brings me to Gene. You've spent an extensive amount of time reporting inside North Korea. What do you make of uh, Putin and Kim Jong-un and what they're up to here? I suppose a lot of the conversation will be about the implications for Ukraine. But as Bruce was just mentioning, there's, there's a lot to be discussed when it comes to how North Korea might be able to upgrade uh, its arsenal with Russian technology and, and so on. I would say that it's also such an interesting time for North Korea as the country comes out of more than three and a half years of self-imposed isolation. And I do believe, and I've been saying that North, that Kim Jong-un was preparing to make this re-emergence on the world stage after he got done with his big celebration, uh, Korean War celebration in July, that he was going to set the stage to re-emerge. So he is resurrecting and strengthening this traditional relationship, this traditional alliance with Russia at a pivotal time. This is a way for him to reassure his people that they may have been isolated for three years, but they have not been forgotten by this superpower. But also remember that because of those border closures, they are in desperate need of food, supplies, and perhaps some of that technological know-how to help them get their military, their nuclear program, to the next level. And there isn't often a time that North Korea, which is one of the poorest countries in the world, can offer something to Russia. But here is a moment where Russia, where, where 
Putin has very few friends, and North Korea has something that he needs, which is munitions. It comes at a time when they are standing together in opposition to a U.S.-led coalition at the U.N. Security Council, where they are facing sanctions for their provocative behavior. So it's very interesting for me. I'm not completely surprised, but like Bruce, I am very worried because this clearly has implications that go beyond the Korean Peninsula. They extend globally in terms of proliferation and in terms of the war in Ukraine. And, and Bruce, uh, it sounds as though both sides, uh, North Korea and Russia, may be acting out of some desperation. It, it sounds like they need each other to some extent here. Exactly. It, it, the fact that Russia, which has extensive production capabilities for artillery weapons as well as ammunition, the fact that they're scrounging for ammunition from North Korea and others uh, shows how desperate they are, the, the very high expenditure of ammunition in the Ukraine operation. So it shows that North that Russia is very desperate. Uh, the, the artillery of those that ammunition uh, caliber is it, very old. And as we've seen with some operations in Ukraine, it's unreliable. Uh, but also, as Gene pointed out, is, is North Korea is hurting very much economically, not only from uh, its COVID isolation and international sanctions, uh, but just its decades of, of failed socialist economic policies. So uh, these are two you know, beggars who are very much in need of each other. All right. Gene Lee, Bruce uh, Klinger, uh, thanks to both of you very much. Really appreciate those insights. Uh, thanks Thank so you. much.